to SFTC Consultant Podcast, the podcast where we have open discussions with Salesforce consultants, administrators, and architects. My name is Emmerich, and in this episode, I will be speaking with Ben McCarthy, Managing Director of Empower UK and founder of SalesforceBen.com. In this discussion, we touch on a range of subjects around the Salesforce jobs market, the variety of roles available for Salesforce professionals, the learning curve of a Salesforce consultant, and how to break into consultancy. Additionally, if you find this episode interesting, I would really appreciate if you could share this episode with your peers, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Hello everyone, my name is Ben McCarthy. I'm founder of salesforceben.com and managing director of Empower UK, a uh, Salesforce consultancy based in London. And I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem for eight years now. Perfect. So Ben, on on kind of the subject that we're probably going to cover today and, and you know, my, my biggest objective or my main objective for this is to try to uh, try to understand um, if, if someone is, is thinking about a career change or if someone's thinking about potentially entering the job market, uh, how suitable is, is a career in, in Salesforce and what does that actually mean? Um, presumably, whenever you kind of hear about this and, and people kind of kickstarting their career, everyone kind of points it towards an admin job. You know, you get a Salesforce admin, you know, that will give you a good, good baseline of that. Um, what my question is, how how would you how would you how would you describe the Salesforce job ecosystem or job opportunities, if it makes sense, in terms of uh, in terms of um, you know employment uh, opportunities? You know, what is the range of, of of companies that will employ Salesforce specialists? Uh, and also, when you are employed, what is kind of the breadth of positions that are are generally available? Sure. So I think it's important to kind of lay out the, the ecosystem. So when everyone hears the, the term Salesforce ecosystem, uh, they're kind of talking about Salesforce as, as a company, I suppose. So, you know, absolutely huge 40,000 employees. You've got the customers that are actually using Salesforce and they employ admins in order to run the system. They also have developers and architects potentially working for them for, for bigger customers of Salesforce. And then you've also got the, the Salesforce SIs, so the consultancies that are, that are implementing Salesforce, and also Salesforce ISVs, which are the app exchange, uh, app exchange companies. So I think there's a lot of different routes you can take to get into the Salesforce ecosystem. And Salesforce admin is kind of the go-to one. You know, if someone comes from outside the ecosystem and, and gets some recommendations, uh, Salesforce admin is kind of the go-to one. And I guess because that's kind of the foundation level, quite a lot of people find themselves uh, in, in, in the Salesforce ecosystem. So accidental admin is quite a, a common term that I'm so sure you're familiar with. Um, I, I'm kind of an accidental admin myself, and a lot of people I know from the ecosystem are, so just falling into the Salesforce ecosystem with, with no real plan. But there are a lot of other different routes to take. And, and I think it all depends on your background. So if you're, let's say, a fresh grad, I think a Salesforce admin might be a good place to start because it is a not an entry-level job, but, it, but it's a nice entryway into the market. But depending on your previous experience, let's say you've been in sales or customer support role and, and you really want to get into the Salesforce ecosystem, uh, all app exchange companies are going to employ some sort of customer support function. So that's quite a nice way to segue into the Salesforce ecosystem. You can, you can automatically add value by, by, uh, from your customer experience, your customer support role in an app exchange app. 
Um, and similarly, if you've had Salesforce, or sorry, had um, come from a consultancy, you could look to move into a Salesforce consultancy. Now, if you're, you might not be able to move into a senior role straight away because you wouldn't know Salesforce. But I think there are a lot of a, a lot of valid entry roles beyond an admin. And I think to answer the second part of your question, the the breadth of roles, uh, that yeah, that, I mean, it's kind of like any other. Uh, product company or, or, or type of company, you know, you have, you have sales, you have support, you have development, you have architecture. So I, I think the, the amazing thing about Salesforce is, let's say you come from a customer support background, you get a job in support, you start learning about Salesforce, the technical elements, uh, the, you know, things about uh, standard objects and, and custom object security and all the elements of Salesforce. You can move in any direction you want to. You want to become a Salesforce developer, uh, you need to learn how to code. You know, it's not not necessarily easy, but it's completely within your your um, your knowledge to do it. Uh, and you know, you want to go a step further. You want to become an architect, or you want to aim to become a CTA in a, in a few years. That's totally possible. So, I think a really cool thing is you can enter from a lot of different entry points, but you can also switch over and go down a completely different career path. Which, I, I thinking about it, I haven't given it too much thought before, but actually, a lot of people do. I, I think a lot of people do switch switch. Um, their their career paths because they I guess they find out what they like doing and they and they want to switch over and do more more of it so yeah I think I think there's a lot of options yeah yeah makes sense I mean the the one thing that you pointed out in terms of ISVs needing uh, needing support to be honest that's how I got started mm, um, cool. I worked for an ISV in, in support and slowly slowly kind of got into um, implementing projects uh, then did a bit of product management etc um, the one thing I wanted to kind of follow up on that and and we did mention the idea of um, joining consultancies. If you're thinking about career change, you can join potentially consultancies or you can join uh, organizations for for non potentially kind of non-salesforce knowledge required roles, if it makes sense. So I'm just thinking off the top of my head, um, I've worked um, on a project where we actually had a deployment manager um, that had no... No, not the fact that she had no no knowledge of Salesforce, but it wasn't required, I guess, for for her job in terms of knowing, you know, what what's kind of you know kind of going into uh, going into detail. We had, of course, the product manager, which you know that you know she was kind of very very up to date with that. Um, but what I was going to say is potentially potentially there is this this idea that everything that you do around Salesforce or you're supporting consultancy or you're supporting other uh, other ISVs. You do need to know about Salesforce. From my point is, it's a good to know skill and good to know, you know, have, have a bucket of knowledge there. But it's probably there are some roles that is not required. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would. I, I think it's um, I think it's it's not easy to find those roles, but I think they definitely exist. And one example that I can take is um, you might be familiar with a, a company called Conga, and I'm sure quite a lot of other people in the ecosystem are. So I actually used to work for Conga when they were. 60 people and before they were sold for 700 million um the other the other week and when it was a company of about 50 people and i remember the the uh, the founders they just used to hire people they liked so i remember one of the founders hired his personal trainer no it experience whatsoever just a nice guy who who wanted to get far in business and uh he was he you know and it was a bit of a hard role because with conga you had to not only learn salesforce but also learn conga 
but because he was he was surrounded by people you know there was a formal training program and surrounded by people who knew salesforce a lot of a lot of uh, a support network I, I think it is very very possible to get to get a job like that and as i said it's i think um coming from a consultancy background and in my experience uh we've never we've We've hired a couple of people from a from a graduate background. I mean, we don't really have a formal graduate program set up, but quite a lot of other consultancies do. So um, I think I think um, if you look out there, there are there are places that hire graduates, um, and you know if people are hiring graduates, they even if people aren't graduates and they've got ten years professional experience, I think you can still get in there. But it's just finding those companies that have that support network set up. In order to hire and train those people, because if if you if they don't have companies that don't have that setup, tend to not hire those people because they just can't support them, and they're just not gonna uh, gonna be able to train them up far enough. But but yeah, yeah I think they they definitely exist. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, the the one the one thing I want to follow up on that you mentioned, and and this kind of ties in with with consultancies, I guess. Um, I don't know. Somehow in my mind, consultancies have a a very kind of high turnover when it comes to staff and I'm not exactly sure if that's because of like headhunting or you know just just so many opportunities out there um but what I was going to say to that is how what is the level of responsibility that you would put on consultancies to to take someone as an admin or as a developer and basically support them in terms of you know growing their their career and potentially encouraging them to kind of build uh, build build their knowledge and and you know uh, up their up their knowledge basically. Yeah, so I think a lot of a lot of consultancies encourage this kind of hiring from from an admin point of view, and this is something that I've got a fair bit of experience with because I came from an admin background before moving to Empower. So I I was pretty nervous about it to be honest. I was like you know. How do I go about gathering requirements? You know, what's project management? You know, things like things that I haven't really had exposure to before. But moving from an admin to a consultant role is very logical. It, it's pretty, it's pretty similar to be honest. You know, with an admin, you're working, you're working for your client in, in inverted commas, which is your the company you work for. Uh, you're gathering requirements, supporting users, doing training. Maybe not on the same scale as as a consultancy. A consultancy. By definition, they're hired to complete quite complex projects, but it's it's very very similar the two roles. I, I think it, it is a bit more complex working in a consultancy, but admins who are pretty skilled in configuring Salesforce, understanding requirements, translating them, dealing with different stakeholders, which most admins can relate to, can translate this quite easily into a consultant role. And I, I think this is a from a consultancy's point of view, this is quite a because you know admins tend to be a little bit cheaper than consultants. So this is quite a good way for consultancies to to pay a bit less for a skilled person. But for that consultancy, uh, that cons- uh, admin, sorry, who's moving into a consultant role, to skill up very very fast and completely accelerate their uh, career prospects because um, consultants are paid more, project managers are paid more than admins. Um, Either architect becoming a solution architect is quite a, a normal uh, transition from admin consultant to solution architect, which is paid more. So, it, in terms of if you're just looking at salary, it's quite a nice career trajectory to go from admin to consultant, and then wherever you want to go after that. Yeah, on on that point is if if we actually put a, a time frame associated with with um, 
uh, with, I guess, some some type of an, an, an advancement in, uh, in in one's career. Um, I know that I think if you go and, and have a look at the Salesforce pyramid in terms of they're saying, though, you should have probably had about three years of experience to, to hit one exam and so on and so forth. What is your, what is your take on that? Because I, I see this quite often where, you know, um, guys that probably or, or people that probably have, you know, two or three years worth of experience in terms of working with Salesforce, but they have like 11, 20 certifications and all of that. And I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of understand that it's it's not it's not probably something bad, but is are we devaluing the value of their certifications or are we potentially putting these these individuals in positions where they may have the technical knowledge to do certain things, but they may not have the the experience to actually have the trust in themselves and actually deliver those those projects. Yeah, it's a really good question, actually, because there, there's always been this debate. Uh, I've seen on social media recently, people post provoking statuses like, you know, um, are, are certifications more valuable than experience and things like that. And and the conclusion of all of those conversations that people have is experience will trump certifications every time. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's devaluing certifications, but if someone is really super smart, they can achieve really as many certifications as they like in, in the, their first year of uh, first year of being in Salesforce. And, and quite a lot of people do achieve, you know, five, six certifications, which, which is very, very impressive. But putting them on a, on a project which requires stakeholder management, you know, the, the politics within a company, uh, architecture of, you know, they might have achieved an architecture certification, but unless they've actually done that for different clients, made mistakes, learn what the, the best practices and things like that, learn from their colleagues who are more senior, they're never really going to have as much experience as, say, someone who's worked in Salesforce for five years with no certifications. But that's not to devalue certifications. They're, they're a very valid uh, way to learn, learn more about the platform. Uh, and, and also, I think it's quite a nice, nice goal to have, and it, and it gives you confidence that, you've, that you're passing these exams and you're you're qualified to be able to speak to clients about them and, and things like that. Um, in terms of time to, yeah, the, the time to complete these certifications, because it does give a, a kind of rough guideline, like I think admin is maybe one to two years and some of the consultant level, like sales sales consultant, uh, community consultant service, consultant, I think is three years. I think I think that's, they're fairly good estimates. That's not to say you couldn't take them before that because I have seen people, a lot of people, um, say, I think in my first three years, I had, I had about five certifications or something like that. And I, but you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't as skilled as someone who had, who had more years experience than me. So I, I think it really just depends on who you are. You know, if, if you like exams, if you like revising, I, I think you can, you can do them pretty quickly, but if you want to go at a slower pace, you know, I think, I think that's absolutely fine as well, because, uh, as I said, experience does trump everything. So exposing yourself to more projects and, um, yeah, things like that really, really help. Yeah, makes sense. Um, the one thing I wanted to kind of uh, to kind of mention and, and potentially kind of do do a spin on the certifications and um, um, and the actual uh, experience is, and and I haven't actually experienced this before. So so you know you will have to tell me if this is this is correct or not, or if you've, you've expo- uh, experienced it is. Can you actually be overqualified for some uh, some some jobs when it comes to sales? And what I'm thinking here is, 
you know, you can have you can have your years of experience in um, in consulting. You can do development. You can be an architect, etc. But sometimes, you know, some people at the end of the day will say, you know what, I just want a very calm admin job somewhere. I'm going to create a few users. I'm going to create one workflow, update one page layout, and then that's my day. Um, I'm just wondering, have you have you potentially had that? Uh, I don't know. Have you had someone kind of extremely overqualified, potentially kind of trying to join in at the at the bottom of the uh, the bottom of the pyramid in a way? So I think that that's something that I've considered as well. But uh, you know, <laughs> stopping stopping consulting because uh, yeah, it does. Uh, it, it is let's say a little bit more stressful than than being an admin, and I think every every consultant will 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 agree with that. We we haven't. I can't say I've had any first-hand experience of, of someone uh, trying to apply for a uh, more junior role. But I, I think you can definitely be, be overqualified overqualified for some roles. So I, th I think it also depends what kind of company you're joining. So for example, a a smaller consultancy will tend to do simpler projects. That's not always true, but you know, like a rule of thumb. Uh, if you've only got three or four, four employees, you're most likely going to be doing fairly small deployments, uh, probably not, not with huge amount of custom development and things like that. So if you're pretty senior, you might want to understand what kind of projects though that consultancy is doing, because if it's just sales cloud and just kind of, you know, basic sales cloud, then it's not, it's not going to be exciting. And, and I think, you know, maybe you're looking for something more, more relaxing and, and less challenging, but I, I doubt I doubt that, you know, if you're like an architect level or something like that, you know, you, you probably want to be challenged and you, you like uh, critical thinking and, and solution finding and, and things like that. So I, I think I think that that can be the case, definitely. So I think it's good, you know, if you are looking at, at an admin role or something like that to understand what 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 what's the org like, what products are they using, what what's is there any custom development and stuff like that because if you want to be challenged, I think it's important to kind of understand the company you're joining and, and what sort of stuff they deal with. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, one thing I wanted to, to, to follow up on, um, and, and particularly when it comes to consultants and particularly when it comes to consultancies, uh, because again, in my mind, ISVs are, are much uh, simpler entities, if it makes sense. So uh, as an ISV, you'll probably have a developer, product manager, uh, and, and a support team and potentially implementation, you know, consultants that implement the same app or the same package or, you know, number of packages, et cetera. When it comes to consultancies, I think a Salesforce consultant will probably wear more hats or be involved at different stages of the project. Um, and I have, I have seen online some of the consultancies that they're basically Again, that will pr presumably depend on the size of, of the company as well. But, you know, you'll specialize for a stage of the project. You may be a, a technical lead. You may be a, a pre-sales consultant, all of that. What I was going to say from, 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 from your experience and probably if you can, I don't know, kind of relate it to, to Empower is what does a sales consultant mean uh, to you in a consultancy? What do they do? So people definitely wear a lot of hats. And again, I think this is going to depend on whether you're working for a, for a small consultancy, let's say less than 10, uh, to a large one of, of more than 50 or, or 100 plus. And the roles at those bigger consultancies are going to be a lot more defined. You know, you're going to have a, a project manager, a implementation consultant, a BA, a developer, an architect. 
um, probably on most projects at, at, a, um, at a bigger consultancy. But the smaller one, you could have the project manager, the, the implementation consultant, and the BA rolled into one person. And, and, that's, you know, and that might be a senior consultant or something like that. And that's just because the, the project might be fairly small, so it just doesn't warrant having three different people on, on the project. So I, I think uh, people do wear a lot of hats and people also might go in and out of the project. They might not be, be full-time on, on the project. But um, yeah, the, the, the roles I think, yeah, I've just outlined. So yeah, the um, project manager will be overseeing the project, ensuring it, it's delivery and on time and within budget and all, all those kinds of things. Then you would have the implementation consultant that is you or or perhaps yeah so implementation consultant would actually be making the changes inside of salesforce uh building the workflows process builders custom objects all of those things you you might have a solution architect in in some projects as well that would kind of be a bit more senior than the the implementation consultant and know salesforce configuration absolutely inside out and uh, understanding for any bigger projects any limitations that they should be aware of uh, for perhaps when you're uh, loading in loads of data or, or something like that. And the implementation consultant and business analyst often gets kind of mixed up. So for bigger consultancies, you, you would have a BA that's collecting the requirements, documenting the user stories, those sorts of things. But with Empower, mostly they're, they're a hybrid role with the implementation consultant. So they're, they're gathering the requirements and implementing. Uh, developer you would have in some projects, so that would be uh, custom Apex, Visual Force, integration, things like that. And, and then, of course, you've got um, technical architects, which are, uh, yeah, the, the go-to for any anything technical inside of Salesforce. So uh, the standard configuration, but also the, the, the integrations development and things like that. But, I mean, in, in Empower, we would always have a project manager, and then we would uh, always have an implementation consultant slash BA on the project. But... Uh, as as projects get bigger, you'd add more of those roles in. Yeah, something that I would really want want to kind of take your your view on and and see how you've kind of put it in uh, put in words is the difference between a technical uh, architect, a solution, or an application architect. Because I, I think I think there are like three things that people kind of drop. So you have the technical architects, which presumably kind of know everything about everything, I guess. But then you have the solution architects. Uh, and and you know when it comes to like the Salesforce pyramid, you also have the application architects. Now, if you just have a look at the pyramid, it kind of, in a way, it's kind of obvious in terms of what you do. Uh, so you have the configuration on our side. It probably you have like the data management and the integration and all of that. But from your view, because you hear a lot about the solution architect and technical architect when it comes to job titles and all of that. What is what is the difference there? Um, so if, if you were to have um, a, a scenario where you're doing a, a big implementation, big enough project that requires both, let's just say, how would they split that responsibility and which one would do what? It's a good question, actually. I, I might not be the <laughs> most qualified to answer this, but from we, we don't have uh, we don't have kind of the defined solution architect role in Empower. We just have really senior consultants that kind of play that solution architect role. Um, and we do have a couple of technical architects. And I suppose the main difference is the solution the solution architects tend not to be on the, they, they architect the system in terms of the, the data model and most of the standard configuration. And, and they also get involved in the, the integrations and, and things like that. But on the technical architect side, they're a lot more 
overseeing the development. So the 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 apex uh, models, the the integrations. Uh, they also understand other systems as well. So you know AWS or or um, any other external backend systems that they're integrating. Um, we work with quite a lot of startups that have backend systems. So uh, understanding the the integration capabilities of those and um, so I, I suppose it's a bit broad, it's a bit more outside of the Salesforce ecosystem, while the solution architects are a bit more inside. But um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think to get application architect, you still need to get developer one certification. So you still need a pretty good understanding of Apex. But the the ones that we have in Empower don't code, but they they do understand um, you know what is possible with code and the limitations and, and what people should be aware of when architecting systems yeah yeah makes makes total sense um on on, on that point um in terms of potentially people being able not able to code i mean right now salesforce literally the last few days they've they've pushed out this uh, or they've demoed or they, they put a blog post around uh, putting visual studio part of the browser pop-up and and all of that they're they're doing a lot of stuff in there um, there are developers that are basically uh, building on top of that, you know, kind of a drag and drop package builder. They they have, I've seen one package, you can actually build, um, um, you know, you can create objects and fields and formulas within there, kind of quite, quite easy to understand from a non-developer point of view. What is your what is your take on on the, the no-code movement, basically? And, and you know, I know there is a bigger community in terms of no code and, you know, kind of, you know, tools like Zapier and, 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 uh, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but specifically to Salesforce, um, when, when do you think we'll be at the point? Because even right now, I think you can implement Salesforce without writing any, any code. You know, I mean, I've done that a number of times. Um, but there are projects where you're kind of in between. There are, you're basically doubting, should you build a flow or should you build a trigger? <laughs> At the point that you kind of doubt that, I think, I think you know, you kind of, I guess it, it kind of depends the the why you're doubting it as well. But um, my my question to you is, how fr from these these deployments uh, that Salesforce do, how easy how easy do you think um, the whole Salesforce implementation will become more and more, or will it become more and more easier to to build? potentially more complex tools with less code knowledge, if it makes sense? I think that's a really interesting question because, I mean, if I look back to when I first started as Salesforce admin, you, I think Flow was available, but the main automation tool that everyone used was workflow rules, which, you know, have four functions that are fairly basic. And you look to where we are now, and we have Process Builder, we have Flow that's been massively upgraded, we, we have things uh, like Lightning App Builder, so we, we, you can build completely custom pages so so much better than the, the classic Visual Force ones with, without one line of code. And it's, you know, Flow is a fairly challenging tool to learn, you know, harder than Process Builder, but, but it's all within the grasp of the admin to, to learn that. So you would think that developers might be dying off, but we, we just released a blog post um, earlier this week from a, a company that analyzed job postings on LinkedIn, the most common ones. And Salesforce developer is the most common job on LinkedIn by far. And there's been some other research by 10K advisors, a consultancy in America, and, and it is 
just the number one job to have. I, I think Salesforce released, uh, or sorry, Indeed released uh, their top uh, top jobs of 2019, and number one was like uh, AI developer, and you know, there are a few other ones, and then number ten was Salesforce developer. So it's that job is not going away anytime soon, and and in fact, in Empower as well, we uh, the number one resource we are struggling to hire for is Salesforce developer. So they are they are well and truly needed and i think the the reason is as as salesforce does get more powerful the the development capabilities also get more powerful so we are doing so many custom lightning pages at the moment you know as as much as uh, lightning app builder allows you to build really really cool layouts for most people some people they they just want it to look exactly like this and you know exactly like that uh, so you need you need lightning for that. Uh, I think another example is integration with other other systems. That's almost a go, it's almost a requirement now in most um, medium to high complexity projects uh, with backend systems or finance systems and things like that. And and at the moment you do need a developer for that. And and there are tools such as MuleSoft, which are um, I, I don't I don't know too much of the details about MuleSoft, but um, most of the people who who implement that i think from a development background so um I, i'm sure it's not as easy as just pointing and clicking and, and instantly having a, an integrated system so i think while uh while the, the there's a lot more power in the admin's hands i think that people's requirements are getting more more and more complex and uh i, th I think there'll always be a place for developers for the foreseeable future yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 makes total sense. Well, I was going to kind of you know probably kind of put put some detail to that. Is I've implemented um, Sales Cloud for an organization, and and basically the tagline for that is we're going vanilla, we're going out of the box. We don't want to do anything because so I think they had Salesforce before and they kind of customized it, and they had a few people come in, et cetera, et cetera, and then afterwards they um, because they were paying a, a quite quite substantial value in terms of licenses. So they called in Salesforce to do some type of audit on them. And when Salesforce saw that, you know, these guys had for two or three processes, they had over 50 custom objects and process builders and all of that. They said, well, we can't really help you. Um, we can probably just tell you to scratch it and, and start from uh, start from the beginning again. That's where I kind of got involved in that. But what happened is we started vanilla, but it never stopped. Um, so we started with that and then two months later, oh, but we need this as well. And, and two months later after that, oh, but we need this as well. And I'm thinking, well, we're going to the same place that we, we left yeah, <laughs> six months I ago. We're literally <laughs> taking the same, the same road there. So I guess relating it to, to developers and that is, yes, you may be able to build solutions as an admin or as a consultant with out-of-the-box tools or point-and-click tools. But most of the time, businesses exist, again, most of the time to potentially grow. That means of the systems, that means more users, that means of the business processes. And at that point, at one point in time, you're have to, you will probably have to bump into someone that, need, that is able to open a, an Apex class or, or open an Aura component. So you are correct. In terms of developers, they will not, they'll probably not go away. What I was kind of really thinking is the fact that it, because it does bring a lot of values, um, it will potentially, it will potentially just give more more things um, to you know to your average admin or to your average um, 
uh, average consultant. The other thing to, to mention on that is the fact that technically, if you are a flow, quote unquote, kind of specialist, in a way, you kind of already have some type of um, baseline programming understanding. You know, you know how to, you know, do a loop, you know, you're doing a, a lookup, you're doing, you know, um, a collection variable. So these are kind of, quote unquote, kind of uh, development terminology. So, you know, that could actually help you. Um, the the other thing I wanted to to kind of query um, you about is you you mentioned that uh, within for example within Empower you know the biggest thing or the big one of the biggest challenges in, in terms of roles is to get Salesforce developers. Um, so in terms of hiring and 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 you know getting staff, um, do you feel that this this, unfor- this unfortunate you know COVID nineteen kind of event has somehow encourage the whole remote working uh, ethos and and potentially opened up opportunities for people from different countries to work because I think I was I was having a look at one of them um, I think it might have been on 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 the on the Celsius band website around uh, number of jobs per country and I think it was the US Canada and afterwards uh, afterwards UK kind of top three but what I'm thinking for example Europe India, um, Asia, South America, they'll have a lot of Salesforce um, developers and specialists. Do you think that companies are becoming a bit, probably a bit forced by, forced by, you know, the environment to look at developers from other countries and, and take a, take a remote approach in terms of working? I've, I think the landscape is definitely going to change because if COVID-19 has, has, uh, shown us anything it's that we can be fully remote you know a, a lot of industries uh, a lot unfortunately can't but a lot of industries can work fully remote and we've been working on you know a, a normal amount of projects as we ever have and and they've been delivered completely remotely and I haven't heard one bit of feedback from a customer that said you know that this isn't going well you know we need we need to switch things up or something like that so I, I think that's really encouraging because a lot of industries outside of Salesforce, but some companies within Salesforce don't like remote working for whatever reason that is. You know, maybe they don't trust their employees or um, they, they just think people are going to be more unproductive. I'm not too sure. But I, I think this has proved that remote working can work. And in terms of the development landscape, I think I think it will give a lot more opportunities to people from, from other countries. I, I think nearshoring and offshoring is something that a lot of companies do at the moment but i I think the fact that we've i I think some people are nervous because they're not in the office and i I can kind of relate to that because it is quite nice to bring a developer along to a meeting and and i think there'll always be a place for developers on the ground in a consultancy but saying that i think it does open up opportunities for people in other countries that might want to apply for a a consultancy in, in the uk or something like that um, and to be completely candid, it's developers are very expensive, uh, and developer, uh, you know, it means higher rates in in the UK for consultancies and things like that. So I, I think that would help consultancies grow as well by by uh, giving opportunities to people in other countries. Yeah, yeah, makes uh, makes total sense. Um, something that I wanted to something what, that I wanted to kind of you know pick up, and and you know we kind of started with this in terms of you know kind of people getting into this. Um, and that, and I do know that you know, for example, you're providing a lot of content out there for you know the, the breadth of levels of, of of you know Salesforce specialists or enthusiasts or, or etc. 
Um, and of course, Salesforce, they're doing a very kind of big thing in terms of you know, their trailhead content and all of that. Um, what I was going to say, if you were to start from scratch, what would be kind of your, your top three kind of steps in terms of starting? Um, and you know, that may be either starting to get into Salesforce or being an admin and realizing, you know what, I want to take my career to the next level. So three tips, do you say? Well, you know, I guess I guess three <laughs> is, I three is, is not, not too many and, and not a few, I guess. <laughs> so I would say if you're not in the Salesforce ecosystem yet, I, I would just say immerse yourself in it. So uh, get on Trailhead, sign up to uh, listen to some, some podcasts and uh, <laughs> get on the Trailhead community, sign up to some blogs, you know, things like that, just, just to immerse yourself and start learning because the more you immerse yourself in it, the more you'll understand it because it is completely vast. You know, there's so many different companies involved in the ecosystem, so many different products that Salesforce have now. And, and I think if you just put yourself in the middle of it, you'll, you'll slowly start to pick things up. So um, that would be my first tip. Secondly, I, I think getting your Salesforce admin certification is really important, even if you want to be a developer or any other role. It's just, or even if you want to go into sales, you know, le learning about the Salesforce platform and not just about its, uh, its kind of commercial value, but also the technical element, I just think is tremendously helpful. I can relate to this personally because at Empower, I've been in sales for, uh, for most of the time I've been at Empower. And having that technical knowledge, you can just, it just helps you so much more when, when dealing with customers. You can answer a lot more questions. So I, I think whatever role you want to get into, uh, get, getting the Salesforce admin certification is, is really valued. And I think if you're in an admin position and you, you want to grow your career, I mean, I, I give the same answer that I give to quite a lot of people is, is looking to move in, into a consultancy. I, I think you, especially if you're a solo admin, you will learn so much by being surrounded by Salesforce professionals, just being able to walk up, ask them a question. You'll, you'll learn more about best practices. Or, or even if you don't want to be in a consultancy, joining a bigger company where you're surrounded by a team of Salesforce admins. So I think that's really important. But um, I, th I think you should also consider other roles as well. So you know, maybe you've done Salesforce administration for, for a while and you, you, you like it kind of, but you also like the marketing side more, I, I think you, you can easily switch. And let's say you were a, a Salesforce admin, but you wanted to get into marketing cloud, you could go to a consultancy or a customer that is using marketing cloud and then start to train yourself up doing that. And, and you can make the company know that when you join and say, look, I'm a Salesforce admin, but I want to get exposed to, to marketing cloud. And uh, I'm sure that will only benefit the company you want to join. So, so they'll support you in that. So uh, I think I think there's a few avenues you can go down. Yeah, yeah, and and the one thing that that you mentioned, um, and and I think I I mean I've personally felt this the whole thing about not being in the office, you know, not being around uh, uh, around people, even though everyone is you know is is one Google Hangout away or one chat away or, or Slack etc. But it it I guess it's just not is not the same thing. Um, and what I was going to say to that is, I have felt that when I worked with other people um, on, on either Salesforce products or anything like that, you kind of do feel that you're probably learning a bit more, uh, even if you just have a, a simple exchange of, of ideas, you know, kind of trying to come up with something. 
Um, but the other thing is right now the fact that you, you, I guess you can't, then it kind of, you know, emphasizes, emphasize, you know, you, you don't know that you, you value something until you kind of lose it. Um, but one thing I was going to say, there is this, this, and you've mentioned this a few times in terms of if you want to upskill very, very fast, consultancies are the best way. Um, and at the surface, it does make sense. The fact that in my mind is, well, you joined the consultancy, these guys will probably do a breadth of different projects. Um, you will have a, a breadth of experience there um, in terms of the colleagues and so on. Um, my question to that would be, so as, as, a, as a, I guess, regular junior admin or, or you know, as an admin or junior consultant, what would be what would be kind of you know the the level of responsibility that you would you would probably put on uh, on a person like that whenever joining um, a consultancy? So yes, it's a good question, and it's something that I was worried about when I when I joined uh, when I was looking to join a consultancy. So I, I think it's quite natural to be be a bit nervous about that, but I think you need to remember that the the consultancies aren't going to do anything which which puts you completely out of your depth. And I, I think it's good to be, you know, slightly out of your depth sometimes, and, and that's where where you learn the most. But they're, they're always gonna gonna, you know, do what do what's right for you and, and what's comfortable for you. But I think the type of response responsibilities you have joining as a as an admin or a junior admin in a consultancy is first off going to a lot of customer meetings. Uh, you, you you know, you'd be shadowing for a good portion of it. You wouldn't be expected to, I don't know, lead a demo or lead a requirements gathering. Uh, session, you know that would be ridiculous uh, straight away. But you'd be you'd be learning from from other consultants and things like that. Uh, and then and then I think uh, configuration on the platform. You know they they'd already be doing this, and it's a safe environment. Obviously, doing it in a sandbox, hopefully, and, and things like that. So if there are any mistakes, it, it can be rolled back. And and I think it's just kind of iterative process. So. Uh, attending a few customer meetings and then eventually not leading them, but you know, being encouraged to speak up and, and dive in a bit and and slowly build your confidence up because I think it is a confidence thing. You you really need to, as a as a consultant, you really need to talk the talk and and walk the walk. If if you're nervous and the customer's paying nine hundred pounds a day for you, you know, it's <laughs> it's not not going to look great. So I, I think it's and consultancies know that, so that's why they don't want to just throw you in at the deep end. So. I think it's just an iterative process of gaining your confidence, gaining, you know, understanding what consulting is and, and learning that way. Yeah, 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 perfect, perfect. Um, what I was going to say, kind of uh, kind of my last question, and presumably one of, one of the more kind of touchy-feely, let's just say, kind of questions on this is things like compensation and, and things like uh, salaries and, and, and then benefit packages and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm a... I'm part of the community, so I will not. I will not complain about this. But what I'm really kind of thinking is, is not the fact that there is an end to this, because um, I don't think there is. You know, we just talked about the fact that you know, Salesforce are continuing to acquire companies; they're continuing to grow. So the need for Salesforce developers will always kind of come up. Uh, but what I would, what I would um, kind of point to is potentially the, the numbers that are being thrown out there. Um, and like everything, when they're big salaries, that will probably attract people from different industries. You know, probably some of the Java developers that are potentially not getting the same packages there may kind of be encouraged to switch over to Apex and so on. Um, of course, Salesforce purchasing other 
companies at the product that will probably encourage that community over to, to switch over. Um, so my question to you is how, how, how do you see these kind of numbers flying? Um, and, and then come to flip that and probably add, add a bit of a spice to that is the, the way I'm thinking about it is <clears throat> that if you pay a consultant or a developer a premium um, salary as a consultancy, you also need to charge a premium cost for that person's time. Um, so I guess it has a knock-on effect to to the end user uh, of of a consultancy. So how how is that how is that managed from from that point of view? Um, and do you think these these high salaries will kind of you know are here to stay and and of course increase as as the market increases, or do you think there will be a a, a plateau? And and you know the way I was kind of for example, looking for jobs a few years ago, um, you know, there were some Salesforce consultants, uh, consultant jobs hitting about 40, 45, 50K here in the UK pound. Now you're probably looking at even 60, 70. And I remember I applied for a job a few years ago and it was 65,000 um, pounds. And the, the recruiter that, that approached me to that, he said, um, the reason this is this amount is because it, it's, an US, it's a US company that is basically trying to open a, a, uh, uh, an office here in the UK. Um, but for a UK consultancy, you wouldn't really get that, that amount. Uh, but right now you are getting that amount. So it, it only passed a few years from that. So I don't know, it's probably kind of a, a big question kind of you know, covered up in a, in a, bit, of a, a bit of a conversation. But what is, what is your take on that? So it's interesting the point you made about the consultant salary maybe being being a bit low because I I I haven't I, I'm quite involved in salaries now because we do we do quite a lot of salary content with with Mason Frank and their uh, their salary survey they do on the site um, because quite a lot of people are interested in that they they want to know what they can get what they can get in a few years and I mean I haven't seen a huge fluctuation in since I've been involved maybe eight years ago um, especially in the admin admin roles because I, I yeah I mean I was an admin so I, I knew how much I was getting paid back then and I kind of knew what roles I could move into and I, I think that's probably like 25 30k all the way up to 60 70 for, for a big org or something like that um, but consultancies I've always kind of thought that 60 70 was kind of I mean I think that's the average in, in the Mason Frank salary survey and you, you always got to take those numbers with a slight pinch of salt because there's a lot of factors there's a lot of companies involved in that from you know the Deloitte's the Accenture's all the way down to, to, to smaller smaller companies as well but um, in terms of the salaries and how I see them I think it really depends on on how Salesforce grows because Salesforce is growing at 20 25% a year and, and acquiring new companies and it really depends at the rate of of people coming into the ecosystem I suppose and I, th I think that's one of the main reasons they brought out Trailhead was to get encourage more people to move in so I, I suppose if the market is is flooded with Salesforce admins then the, the the junior level salaries could go down but I mean I can't really see them going down more than than 25 30k for a junior admin because I, I think that's 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 a very fair price for someone who's um, a skilled individual and at the other ends at, at consultancies um, I mean yeah I'm not too sure because I, I, th I think 
I think customers are quite happy to pay the the amounts they're they're paying. It's it's kind of justified from the uh, the the impact that, that these projects have on the business. So I, I can't see Salesforce consultant consultancies wanting to charge less. And I think I think contractors get about five hundred, smaller consultancies maybe seven hundred a day, and then bigger consultancies maybe a grand a day to to a bit more than that. Um, I can't really see that much changing again, unless there's this flood of of people coming in. But the consultancies are the more the more skilled level people with maybe three, four, five years experience. So it's a really good question, and, and we'll have to see how the how the market develops. But the the U.S. salaries that, that you touched on is quite interesting. I actually wrote a post about that the other day because I was I was all I don't know if anyone's looked at the salary survey, but the U.S. salary is always like. 50 to 80% more for the same role. And I was like, why is that? That must be, must be something going on. But I did a bit of research and actually it turns out that the, the demand over there is just so much more. So um, the, it's the same in like roles with like Facebook or Google versus Facebook and Google over here. It's like 50 to 80% more in, in the US. So um, yeah, if you do want to earn those big bucks, then try and get your green card and head over there because uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they do earn a lot more. But but I think we'll have to see how it how it develops because I mean, as far as I understand it, at the moment the the market is still um, is still looking for Salesforce professionals. There's there's still a big gap between uh, the amount of people applying for jobs and the amount of jobs out there. So I think I think at the moment it's an extremely good market to get into. Perfect, perfect. Well, Ben, what I was going to say is thank you for your time. Um, and if there's anything that you want to kind of you know some some last words they want to like part us with um, advice or you know. Um, again, I don't think um, I don't think um, you know people kind of you know stop stop you know kind of getting the the good stuff that you're publishing out there anyway through through your blog. But is there anything else you want to kind of you know uh, mention? Uh, well, first off, thank you very much for having me. It's been a it's been a pleasure. So thank you for having me on on, on the podcast. I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, just to reiterate something I said earlier, just if you want to get a job in the Salesforce ecosystem, just immerse yourself in it. Go to, uh, well, virtual events at the moment, sign up for blogs, salesforcepend.com isn't a bad one. Um, and uh, yeah, just immerse yourself in it because if, if you really want a job in, in this ecosystem, uh, it's very, very achievable if you, put the, if you put the work in. Thank you for listening to the SFDC Consultant Podcast. Be sure to visit sfdcconsultant.com to access the show notes and discover additional content. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you could subscribe, give us a review and share it with your peers. Until next time, take care.